Welcome to this special extended edition of The Weekly. It is our 30th episode, and so totally on purpose, definitely most certainly on purpose, we recorded for 30 minutes instead of 20 minutes. The Weekly is a 20-minute podcast usually devoted to books, current events, and issues relevant to the life of our church. Now, in this week's discussion, Jim Slice and I consider the Sabbath. Is it binding on Christians? And more broadly than the Sabbath, what does it mean for Jesus to fulfill the law, and what implications does that have for our relationship to the law of Moses? Give this extended episode a listen, and shout out to Jesus and the New Covenant for barbecue pork ribs. Hope you enjoy. All right, I think the mic levels are good, Jim. Uh, we had such a great intro there, and I pressed a button and ruined everything. Yeah, so we're, it happens. Technology. We're doing this again. If you're listening to this and you want to produce the weekly instead of me producing the weekly <laughs> and routinely accidentally deleting stuff, um, send me your resume slash volunteer for it, and you can do it. Yeah, I think I think two weeks ago we recorded the podcast twice. Uh, Don't because, tell people. That. Oh, oh. <laughs> Edit. <laughs> yeah, we'll cut that part out. Yeah, cut that part out. All right, so this this is our 30th episode. Wow, um, already. And yeah, already. We have already gone through this, so it feels forced. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm trying to... Uh, it feels you. forced? You're, I, no, you're great. I thought I was being quite natural. but You were always natural. Um, <laughs> so let's... let's In light of it being our 30th episode, let's talk about how many years behind us 30 is. Ooh, yeah. And then what body part has stopped working properly oh, okay. since we turned 30. Well, uh, I've, I've said it before. I'll say it again. I, I could probably list 30 body parts, but uh, I'll keep it to one. Um, I, For me, 30 is 10 years in the rearview mirror. And I, I remember my 30th birthday party uh, like it was yesterday. And those 10 years went by pretty quickly. So I'm 40. Wow. That came fast. And what, what has stopped working? What body part? Uh, well, uh, I think it's my knee. Do you... Um, you remember the game of Operation where uh, one game. of the... Yeah, great game. Uh, one of the conditions was water on the knee. Uh, and it was you know represented by a little uh, pail or bucket that you had to pull out of the, the patient's knee. Well, I think I've got that because mm. I can feel this little pocket of fluid in my knee. And when I flex my knee all the way and then touch the po- that pocket of fluid... Um, it causes it can cause really severe nerve pain, so I'm going to the doctor and uh, getting that looked at. And then next time you're on the podcast, you can update us on the status of your knee. Oh, I look forward to that. Yeah, that, and that'll be a good topic. Kelsey um, or Taylor, doctors Spearman and Hyatt. If Paging uh, Doctor Spearman and Hyatt. Yeah. Spearman or Hyatt. So if you ideally you could diagnose Jim's knee and produce the podcast so that you can kill two birds with one stone. They, Probably tell me water on the knee is not really a thing, and it ha- it has to be. It, it has to be. Th- it was an operation. Yeah, yeah, but so was bread basket and butterflies in the stomach. So, anyways, right. well, I don't. I feel certain they're they're not going to find a bucket in your knee. I I agree. Um, anywho, but pocket of fluid definitely. So I so I'm thirty is two years behind me, and the thing that stopped working is my right shoulder. It doesn't work anymore. Ooh. Um, it's because I am um, so strong and uh, have just delivered so much force yeah. you know, over the years, you know, exerting and exercises like Human bones can only take so much. That's right. So I've, I've worn myself down. My yeah. grit and determination, my body can't stand it. So um, 
<laughs> so there you go. Um, so today we're, we're going to talk around um, the Sabbath. So the last two Sundays, uh, we have been, uh, we've observed two controversies where Jesus has gotten himself into trouble because of the way that he has handled the Sabbath. Yeah. Matthew chapter 12, verses 1 through 8, I taught on Jesus' first kind of showdown with the Pharisees regarding mm-hmm. the Sabbath. They get upset with Jesus because his disciples pluck heads of grain. They say, that's not permissible on the Sabbath. And Jesus says, well, I'm the Lord of the Sabbath. I'm the one who determines what Sabbath observance looks like. Uh, and then the following week, John Hyatt taught on uh, Matthew chapter 12, verses 9 through 14, where the question as to whether or not it's legal for Jesus to heal a man on the Sabbath surfaces. And then kind of ironically, um, in the Pharisees' minds, it's not permissible to heal a man on the Sabbath, but it is permissible to conspire to entrap and murder a man on the Sabbath. <laughs> um, and uh, John did a really good job um, unpacking that for us on Sunday. Uh, so we wanted to keep kind of talking around this idea of the Sabbath, because yeah. there, there's lots of questions that can surface when you start talking about Jesus's relationship, mm-hmm. Jesus and our relationship to those different aspects of the Old Covenant. Mm-hmm. Those different aspects of, of the legal requirements that God gave to the nation of Israel. So the Gospel of Matthew is really concerned with Jesus' relationship to the Old Testament. So like from chapter 1, verse 1, we're, we're told that Jesus fulfills this, Jesus fulfills that, he fulfills this, he fulfills right. that. It's stories, it's laws, it's prophecies. There's things that are considered prophecy that we don't probably wouldn't consider prophecy that we're told uh-huh. that Jesus fulfills. And then Jesus himself in Matthew 5 says that I came not to abolish the law, but to fulfill the law. Fulfill the law. Yeah. And that seems to be a really crucial concept, not just in the Gospel of Matthew, but really throughout the rest of the New Testament, uh-huh. right? What do you think of that? Uh, yeah, yeah, crucial concept and, and one that's uh, not obvious, um, maybe kind of difficult to wrestle with uh, sometimes. Uh, you know, I, I know some really good brothers who, you know, very sharp thinkers who would say that when Christ says he comes to fulfill the law, he's making the law like complete he's filling out the gaps um, essentially ramping up the law uh, but um, other good brothers uh, uh, particularly da carson would say that when christ says he comes to fulfill the law he's saying that the law is predictive um, and like a prophecy is pointing forward to something and he is the fulfillment of that prophetic law and that's an important point to make because the reason that Jesus says, don't think I came to abolish the law, is because whatever he was doing was leading people to believe that he was abolishing the law. Right. And so he's clarifying and saying, I'm not abolishing it. Um, I'm fulfilling it. The yeah. law is, is predictive. Uh, there's a built-in obsolescence to the law that finds its completion in me. So Jesus is obviously changing um, the expectation around observance of the law mm-hmm. like such that people would wonder is he abolishing this yeah yeah so if we try and like soften what jesus says about fulfillment by saying he didn't come to abolish it it's like well whatever he was doing was leading people to believe that he was abolishing the right law. so there was there was significant discontinuity between jesus's teaching and the law sufficient enough that he needed to clarify does that make sense yeah yeah definitely and uh, you said something a minute ago that the law has a built-in obsolescence. And I, I think that's the argument through you know, several passages in Hebrews where um, the author of Hebrews is, is sort of making the case, saying that uh, just as there has been 
um, a change in the priesthood. Um, the priesthood was according to the tribe of Levi, and then when Christ comes, the priesthood moves to the tribe of Judah. Uh, so when the priesthood changes, uh, the law changes as well. Um, the obsolete priesthood um, is connected to an obsolete law, uh, and a new priesthood has, has come in, and a new law with it. Yeah, what do we mean by obsolescence? Like, that's a kind of a big $5 word. Yeah, obsolescence, uh, I think something that is good for its intended time period. Uh, it works in a particular context, and then once you come to the end of that time, once you come outside of that context, then that good thing is no longer useful in the way that it was in the past. I think an illustration that I've heard before is the iPhone. There's like a built-in oh, yeah. obsolescence to the iPhone. Like the, I guess it's kind of a conspiracy theory, but the, <laughs> the thought that you know every it's kind of built in that it's supposed to fry itself out every couple of years so that you'll purchase a newer, better version. I've heard that Apple confirmed it. So really, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I can't source that. So, anyways, take it. So, take well, that so there's a built-in book. obsolescence. Built-in obsolescence in the iPhone. Yeah, and similarly, that seems to be how the New Testament authors, New Testament itself, understood the law. I mean, I think of right. passages where, like Galatians, he says that the law was a tutor. Right, um, right. It, it's like my fourth grade teacher. Like, she was my fourth grade teacher for the time that I was in fourth grade. Mm -hmm. And in some ways, like, I don't know, could we say, like, my fifth grade teacher? For, I, don't, I don't that's a stretch. <laughs> but, you know, like, she, she was my teacher for that. Miss Amon was my sure. teacher for that stretch. And it was good, and it was proper, and it was a grace. But time changed things changed and kind of moved on from that. yeah and I, I don't know if um, when you're in high school if you ever had those guys who graduated and were always coming back to visit like the next year after they graduated <laughs> yeah uh, still wearing the letter jacket still wearing the letter jacket and not not moving on from something that was good um, mm. but is now obsolete in their life yeah and I, I was also guilty of that a little bit. So I, oh, I totally was. Oh, you totally were? Dude, I, okay. so I played high school football, and then I went back to the high school football games after I graduated yeah. thinking, like, I don't know what I was thinking. Yeah, I'm, I know. You should come fall at my feet. <laughs> uh, yeah, but that's a really good illustration. And, 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 like, really the central point of the book of Hebrews is to say, like, you guys, the better has come. Right. The, the time for the old covenant is complete. The sacrificial system... Um, the Sabbath, we'll get to that in a second. The um, the priesthood is completed in Jesus. Right. So to go back to those things is, uh, it, it makes no sense. The, the, I had a professor who would always say, it's like preferring the picture, like I have a Polaroid of my wife on the fridge, preferring, preferring the Polaroid of my wife to my wife. Wow. It makes no sense. Yeah, that's great. Um, so um, the law. Are we bound by it? Are Christians bound to it? I would say the answer is no and yes, or yes and no. Uh, I think no and yes. It's kind of awkward to say it that way, but that seems to be the order. Uh, no, no, we are not bound um, by the law as the law. Uh, we're not uh, required to to keep all of the Old Testament commandments and from what I can see it's not like the New Testament applies what you know we sometimes do where we 
divvy up and say this is the law that continues and this is the law that does not. Um, so the moral, it, it just kind of ceremonial moral civil c- distinction. Right, right. You're um, saying that 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 seems to be that seems to be an innovation of you know theologians at some point. I I don't see that uh, very clearly laid out anywhere in the New Testament. And and I make that point to say that the law as a whole uh, passes away mm-hmm. with with the old priesthood, with the old sacrificial system, et cetera, et cetera. And uh, we now have a new law, the new law in Christ, as you know, we referred to before. Um, so no, not bound to keep the law. Um, as the law. As the kind law. Capital L law. Yeah. The yes part of it is, is that the law points to something greater. It points to Jesus Christ. It points to the moral character of our Heavenly Father. And in as much as it does those things, uh, we are called to... Um, be like Christ and imitate our Heavenly Father. And, um, and so in that way, we are going to keep the law and more, um, even when we don't observe the Sabbath. Um, I'm trying to think how to... Well, well, let me, so circumcision was circumcision. obviously a huge issue in the New Testament. Right. What's, what, was, what was kind of Paul's reasoning around circumcision? Uh, Paul, yeah, Paul would say that it was um, putting ourselves, um, well, putting ourselves under the law um, and saying that it uh, denied the sufficiency of the gospel uh, because the people who were encouraging others to be circumcised were saying that this was necessary. This was necessary to call yourself one of the people of God. Uh, Paul had to react strongly against that and say no. If you take this sign, uh, you will be undoing uh, what your faith in Christ Jesus has already done. And uh, yeah, that you know that's you know probably one of the best examples. Um, and someone made the point that Paul was not against circumcision as circumcision, and he could later have like recommend that Titus be circumcised so that Titus would be a more effective minister of the gospel amongst the Jews. Um, but Anyone who received circumcision believing that it saved them um, would be turning away from the gospel of Jesus Christ. Mm. What about uh, the food restrictions? Yeah, I mean, so Christ overturns those and the uh, vision of the sheets. uh, And Christ is, again, trying to teach a larger lesson. uh, uh, When Peter sees the unclean animals come down and uh, rejects it um, three times, and uh, Christ says, "You know, do not call unclean what I've made clean." Uh, Christ is is really preparing him to go to the Gentiles with the gospel message, and uh, so so again, you know, you know, if, for no other reason, you could say like Christ explicitly said, "We're not under that that requirement," um, but again, it's part of that larger law. Uh, that we see being laid aside in the New Testament. Yeah, kind of, kind of the capital L law. Capital L, law aside. of Mo- call it, yeah, the law of Moses. I, yeah, I there think you go. That's a good, good way to, you know, to say it. Uh, we, the other night we had ribs, pork ribs, mm. with friends. Yeah. And we, in our prayer, we, we thank the Lord for the new covenant. <laughs> so that you could eat pork. Excellent. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. I also had uh, Long John Silver's today and had, <laughs> for some reason... I don't, so I don't even know what I'm saying right now. I'm just like 
<laughs> so filled with fried. No, I understand. It was delicious in the moment, but I, I'm just filled with regret. No, I understand. Like I, maybe like once or twice a year, I'll go to CC's Pizza, and I think mostly so that I can remember remember why I shouldn't go to CC's Pizza. <laughs> uh, so I get that. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's that's probably about accurate. I, it'll it'll be next year before I can right, muster up a right. Long John Silver's trip. But you know, I was gonna say, you know, eating shellfish is uh, uh, also a, an achievement of a new covenant, which, uh, which is I'm thankful for. Just when it's not, you know, deep fried. Sure, um, sure. So, uh, so you're saying that the law of Moses has been fulfilled in Jesus. Um, it's no longer binding on Christians, uh, but there is a sense in, sense in which we are still. We're we're not antinomian. We're we're not we're not saying right, that Christians right. have no law. Well, right. and Christ Christ makes gives specific commands, and um, we see him calling to people to lives of um, holiness um, with regards to sexual purity, and um, we see him calling people to lives of generosity, and that that really reflects the law of Moses that. There were specific provisions for uh, people to leave resources for the poor, and Christ is, is calling people to, to do that um, and have hearts that uh, will lead them into acts of generosity. Um, you have the entire section of Matthew 5, you've heard it said, but I say to you. Right, where right. There's obvious continuity between what the law of Moses says, but there. Uh, Jesus is um, there giving us the law of Christ. So you've heard it said, don't commit adultery, but I say to you, a man who commits lust in his heart is liable to the judgment of hell. So, right. So there, there is a um, law that comes uh, to the Christian uh, that has continuity with the law of Moses, but it is not, it is not the law of Moses Well, so how would, how would that apply to Sabbath in particular? Yeah, that was supposed to be my question. Oh, Jim. that's your question. I'm sorry. Yeah, so Jim, how does the uh, <laughs> how does that apply to the Sabbath? Because here's the thing about the Sabbath. We're talking about, you know, I made mention of the fact that the Sabbath is no longer binding on the Christian as the Sabbath, um, and that, that Paul says as much in Colossians two. Don't let anybody give you grief about festivals and new moons or Sabbaths. Right. Or in Romans fourteen, he says some people say that one day is better than another. You know, don't let that be an issue. But here's the problem with that. It's one of the Ten Commandments. Right. So it seems like it's one of the big ten. Right. So how can we say that Christians are not bound by the Sabbath? Right. Okay. Wow. I'm trying to think how deep I want to go with that. Uh, I would say... We're going longer than 20 minutes. We're going longer than 20 minutes. This is is the uh, Lord of the Rings extended (laughs) edition of the weekly. Okay. All right. Where you finally get to see how um, Faramir and Eowyn... Um, first got together. So that, that's my favorite part. The Sabbath is, is one of the Ten Commandments. Okay, well, the Ten Commandments, as the Ten Commandments, are not binding on us the way the rest of the law is not binding on us. Um, but in as much as they, they point to the character of our Creator, they point to His Son, Jesus Christ, uh, they, they do have uh, a hold on us. And so even though... You know, we don't consider ourselves under the Ten Commandments. We still know that lies are of the devil. Uh, because God is God of truth. 
because God is God of truth. And uh, so for us to lie, for us to bear false witness against our neighbor uh, is puts us in opposition to God, whether we're under the Ten Commandments or not. And when it comes to Sabbath, um, it gets even a little bit more complex. I would say that we're not bound, like with regards to any particular 24-hour period, sundown on Friday to sundown on Saturday or um, midnight um, at the transition between Saturday and Sunday to the next midnight. Uh, But practically, uh, the Sabbath is made for man and uh, we are still creatures who are dependent and need rest and are intended to have cycles of work and then laying down of our our primary work in order to go and, and be refreshed. Uh, and that, that refreshment doesn't mean complete idleness. It doesn't mm-hmm. mean 24 hours of sleep. Uh, it means um, being renewed in some way and prepared to go back to the labor that we have at hand. Um, so yeah, that's, uh, that it, I'm afraid I'm being kind of vague. Um, but no, no, that's really helpful. I mean, okay. So, so we can say, all right, so we can say, you know, is, is the Sabbath binding for the Christian? We could say capital S Sabbath. The answer is no. Right. The Sabbath, as it was given to the nation of Israel, is not binding on the Christian any longer. We no longer have to observe Saturdays as this particular command from the Lord. Uh-huh. Um, but in a lowercase s Sabbath kind of way, we, we acknowledge that there's certain just realities of being creatures, and there's, a, there's kind of a grain to the universe. There's a grain to things. Mm-hmm. And one of those is that sometimes we need to stop working so that we can be... Uh, refreshed and recreated to re-engage right um, and that like you said that doesn't mean escape and that doesn't mean um, vegging out in front of Netflix it means kind of a productive um, or maybe productive is not the right word a a positive um, yeah use of a day where we're not clocked in yes um, yeah there's know. some leisure there would probably be some leisure in it sure naps and it's okay to take a nap one yeah, to three great one, to take one a to nap. four naps a day one to four naps those days one p.m. to four uh, no I mean like one two three maybe four naps <laughs> oh okay uh, actual number of naps okay um, but yeah a, a sort of relaxed I don't think productivity is a bad word um, but that uh, that prepares us for the labor and, and renews us and um, refreshes our relationship with our Lord Jesus Christ, who ultimately uh, is our Sabbath rest. He's he's described himself as that. Mm. So, so you, you bring up a good point. Yeah, um, with the last comment that you made about you know resting in a way that stirs our affections for Jesus. We um, uh, Rosie Ducharme had this really helpful kind of way of saying that is like the way to determine rest is like this is this particular activity is it stirring my affections and stirring my gratitude to the Lord, or is it uh, subtracting from my affection? Right. And so, like, um, Netflix net, Netflix binging, it may be restful in the sense that we don't have to exert anything. Right. But typically, that's not, I'm, I'm not being stirred for greater affection for the Lord. Right. Or, like, renewed to engage my wife and children, you know, more deeply. Uh, uh, yeah, very passive. I... Typically, what Netflix binging is good for is making you want more Netflix binging. Right, right. Um, so, so... 
yeah, th- that's helpful. Like we we are uh, we rest um, we Sabbath in kind of a lower s lowercase s sort of way to like re-engage the work that God has given us. Capital S Sabbath requirement is no longer binding on the Christian. Right. So on Sundays, um, going to church is is totally optional. Participating in the life of the church totally optional, right? Uh, um, I'm being I'm, you're being sarcastic. I'm kind of trying you. to set you up. I know. Me. Okay. Yeah. Thank you. Um, I'll I'll knock that one out of the park. Uh, no. <laughs> no. Um, well, for one, there has to be some time for any like anyone who claims Christ, for anyone who calls themselves uh, a follower of Christ, uh, there has to be a time when they are assembling together with the body of believers. And uh, Sundays, you know, is the tradition in the church um, since shortly after Acts 20, there's reference made to the Lord's Day. Right, right. First day of the week. Um, So so that practice has been in place and uh, there... There are churches that, you know, try to provide alternate times for, you know, those people who are involved in professions that will keep them employed every Sunday, and you know, I, I think that's good. I, I, I um, there, there are roles, there are jobs that require people to uh, be occupied on Sundays, and um, law enforcement. Medical professionals, uh, you know, other emergency workers, and um, they're not bound to go to church on Sunday. Um, hopefully, they get to go some Sundays, um, but there has to be some time when you're assembling together with the body of believers, and uh, Sundays is usually the best option for that for most people. Uh, so, yeah, the person who never goes to church. Uh, is because you know church requires some level of exertion. They still got to get up early. Uh, that person is not really observing Sabbath rest in the way that God intended. The lowercase s. The lowercase s. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That there is something refreshing about gathering with God's people on Sundays and singing songs to one another and agreed catching up with your brothers and sisters and hearing from the Word. There's, uh, that's one of the primary ways in which I think God refreshes his people. Yeah, I think so. And I, I think I was just kind of acknowledging you can come at it with two attitudes where hmm. where you have that expectation and you've prepared your heart uh, to go and, and be there and um, fellowship with people, not, you know, not because they're your best friend, uh, but because they share the same Lord. Um, and then you can also have a heart that, <clears throat> is just you know, maybe gotten a little bit selfish and uh, view Sundays in the sense of, of being a imposition on their time. Mm. Um, because I mean, let's be clear: like if you if you if it's the the Sunday in the month where you are serving on setup or in kids ministry or whatever, it's it's probably not going to be the most restful of days. Right, right. In the kind of the pure, uh, you know, the, the quantitative amount of energy expended versus you know, whatever energy not expended. Yeah. And so I, I think that's what I'm trying to uh, speak to. Um, but still, yeah, I mean, there's still that practical um, refreshment of our spirit if we go with the right attitude before the Lord and to assemble with the body of believers. 
That's good. That's really good. Man, there, there's so much more that we could talk about with this issue. Not just the Sabbath, but the Christian's relationship to the Old Covenant, about what it means for Jesus to fulfill the law. Right. We, should, we should probably take some time and talk through this stuff again sometime. Yeah, yeah. Um, one last question. Any, would there be any helpful resources? If someone, if someone is wrestling with you know, New Covenant theology or the relationship between the New Covenant and the Old Covenant, what it, what it means for Jesus to fulfill the law, any of these things, what resources would you point them towards? I like um, the Progress of Doctrine in the New Testament. I struggle to think of the author's name. Thomas Bernard, I think. Thomas Bernard. I think that's right. Okay. Um, the God Who Is There by D.A. Carson mm-hmm. is excellent um, and very accessible for uh, for someone trying to understand how the Bible fits together. And um, uh, Kingdom Through Covenant or... God's Kingdom Through God's Covenants. That's kind of the shorter version. The shorter version, yeah. yeah. Okay, those... Yeah, those are the ones that come to mind. I think you mentioned one earlier. Um, New Covenant Theology. Um, Fred. Fred uh, Zasper. Yeah, Fred Zaspel and Tom Wells. That's Zaspel. Zaspel and Tom uh, And also uh, the Book of Hebrews. Um, Book of Hebrews. I mean, that that in, in a lot of ways, like that's kind of what the author is doing, is reasoning through how Christ is the fulfillment of all of these different elements of the, the, the aspects of the law that have this built-in right. obsolescence and yeah and i think that um the book of hebrews like if you if you could read it with a view towards the whole big argument instead of a little piece at a time that will be helpful mm. that will be helpful good well jim thanks for coming on the show man a uh, pleasure as always hey and if you're listening to this and you have any questions about any of the things that we've talked about grab us on a sunday or shoot either one of us an email Uh, We would love to uh, treat you to coffee and maybe talk some more about these things. Jim, thanks for being on. Yeah, God bless.